The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. I got some yummy bread from the bake sale that I can share with you, but I'm not very generous, so you might want to go buy your own loaf over there. The uh, bake sale is a... Uh, a bunch of the, the family members of people who are going to Panama on mission trip uh, are selling their baked goods, or actually, we're not selling because then it'd be a, a taxable transaction. So it's a, a giving of baked goods with a, a, an ask for a donation. Uh, but it's a cool way for the, uh, us to, as a church family, it's not really so much about the money. It's a big part of it is just getting you involved and endeared to the team, and so you'll pray for them and support underwriting their... Uh, uh, it's expensive to travel overseas, and so we're... We're glad to have that bake sale. Also, I want to share with you a cup. I don't know if you've been with us the last few weeks. Uh, my community group has been uh, subject to me um, making comment about them based on what happens in community. I've been commenting on there. So they gave me last, a couple of weeks, whenever my birthday was, they gave me a coffee cup. I want to read to you what it says. It says, be careful or you will end up in my sermon. Uh, and so, so there you have it. And I, I read that to someone uh, this morning. It was Emily Wilkerson, and she laughed. And she goes, "Oh, I, I, amen." She goes, "I'm a preacher's kid." So there she is. She's like, "I know, I know that cup for well, for sure." So uh, anyway, I thank them for that. Anyway, so we're looking at chapter 15 of First Corinthians, chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 19. We're actually going to have six messages in chapter 15. Paul has a lot to say in this chapter about death and about what happens after death, about the resurrection from the grave. And uh, so I don't know how much you know about uh, what happens after we die, um, but I've been doing a lot of reading on it. It's it's been very encouraging as a believer. But I I, I hope that you are encouraged today. I I think that it's, it's a very challenging text because I've chosen just a few verses that um, are just like singing half those songs. Like each song, if we just sang half that song, we might be kind of discouraged. If we just think about what happened in our death and, our, and what happened when Jesus died, if we don't get to the resurrection, it's really a hopeless and despair. And that's what we're going to see in our text today. But I, I think ironically for believers, it's actually encouraging because it just reminds us of that from which we have been saved. Um, and my prayer also is that as, as we look at the death of Jesus and as we imagine hypothetically for a moment, because that's what Paul does in this text, he, he goes with it. He says, okay, hypothetically, let's go with your idea that there is no resurrection. And he runs that down to its log- logical conclusion. Um, it, it's going to not only show you how, dis, how discouraging it is to, to imagine a life without the resurrection, but I hope it, it gives you, if you're a believer, um, a, a new sense of compassion and desire to share the gospel, to say, man, if that's where people are without the gospel, that's, a, that's, a not, a, that's not a good place to be. And so I hope that we are all moved with compassion to share the gospel Uh, and to share the good news of the resurrection. Paul has been in Corinthians addressing different issues. Um, We don't always know exactly what was going on in the church, but you can tell by what Paul is saying what they seem to have been thinking. And and what seems to be going on in the church at Corinth is kind of an 
hyper-spiritualizing of things. Like they seem to be very excited about spiritual gifts that make them feel spiritual and appear spiritual. And they almost seem to be thinking of themselves as speaking with tongues of angels and maybe that the eternal state of believers is, is very spiritualized. Almost uh, maybe you believe this and don't understand what the scriptures teach, but we are not going to be floating on clouds like angels for eternity. The Bible says that's not eternity, uh, that there is a place for the physical bodies. And that's what Paul is doing is he's saying, listen, you are saying that there's no resurrection of the physical body of believers. If that's true, let me walk that down a logical progression that is very discouraging to make sure you understand you don't want to go there. That's what Paul's doing. Look at verse 12. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, remember that was last week? He said, you believe the gospel that I preached, which was Christ died for sins, he was buried, but that he was raised and he appeared. And then he says today, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, then how in the world can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? And so what they seem to have been doing was to say, look, I know Jesus rose from the grave, but my body's not raising from the grave. I don't want this body to raise from the grave. Maybe they're feeling like me as a 50-year-old is, please rid me of this body and don't ever bring it back because it's falling apart. And so Paul's going to address this in the text. Okay, he's going to say today, no, you don't want to imagine life without a resurrection. And then he's going to go in, there will be a resurrection and there are massive implications of the resurrection. And then I think it's the day after Easter or maybe before where he says, here's the kind of resurrected body we're going to have. So he spends a lot of time on this, but today he's going to take us pretty low. It's just this downward progression of the logical conclusions of step by step. This is where you end up with seven terribly negative consequences of denying the bodily resurrection. That's where he goes. Seven terribly negative consequences of denying the bodily resurrection. So let me ask the Lord to help us as we walk down this depressing spiral. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us that from which you have saved us if we are in Christ and that you'd reveal to us the desperate hopelessness of those who have rejected Christ and the gospel that is a gospel of good news about the resurrection of Jesus. And so, Lord, move us to compassion and love to share the gospel with friends and family, neighbors and nations. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to look at seven terribly negative consequences of denying our future bodily resurrection. It's important to make that distinction. They seem to be denying their own bodily resurrection, but they're okay with Jesus. And he's going to trace that back and say, okay, consequence number one. If you don't rise from the grave, number one, Jesus is still dead. Look what he says in verse 13. If, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, 
then not even Christ has been raised. So they seem to be thinking Christ has been raised, but no one else will be raised. And he says, if no one else is raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And you have to say, okay, well, what's going on here? You notice the if-then logic. It's a logical argument. If Jesus, if no one else has been raised, then not even Jesus. Why would Paul say that we, if, if we weren't raised, then Jesus wasn't raised? Why is that connection so strong? Why can't he say Jesus was raised, but we're not? Well, one, because the word of God makes it clear that that's not how it works. But if you look into Paul's writings and Paul's teachings, Paul's theology, there is an inextricable union between Christ and his people that is, that is illustrated in marriage. A marriage relationship where one man and one woman physically become one, their physical and emotional and every other sense of the word of their covenant union is just an illustration, a small picture of Christ and the church or Christ and the believer. And Paul speaks a lot about this in Romans when he talks and helps us understand his theology of of trusting in Christ and what happens and what does that mean. He likes to use the language of union or in Christ, in Christ, in us, we are united with Christ. I'm going to read you several passages from Romans 6 and Romans 8. And in these verses, what you're going to see is the union of the believer with Christ is so powerful, so fundamentally important to thinking and understanding the gospel that to deny the believer's resurrection would be to deny Jesus's resurrection. So listen to what he says in Romans 6, verse 5. Paul says, for if, again, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. He says, united with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. This is what we symbolize in our baptism. We symbolize our faith union with Christ means that we participate in his death, his burial. That's when we submerge them underwater and we raise them out of the water saying we are united with his resurrection. And when we pull them up, we say raised to walk in the newness of life. And so that's being pictured in Romans 6 verse 11. He says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Why? In Jesus Christ. Your union, your participation by faith in Jesus Christ, you then are considered your old sinful self. Your old sinful self is crucified with Christ. When Christ was crucified, you have participated in that crucifixion by faith. Your union with Christ says you have now been crucified. Your old self, your old dead sinner in rebellion against God has been put to death and has been buried and sealed up in a tomb and covered up with dirt. That old self is gone and all things become new because in Christ, when he rose from the grave, you were born again. And you were raised in the newness of life. And so your participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is because you are hidden in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1, one of the most glorious passages. Therefore, because you are in Christ, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no wrath of God 
for those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What is the only hope of escaping the wrath of God that you rightly deserve, that I rightly deserve for my rebellion against God? It is if I am hidden in Christ. And if I'm hidden in Christ, when Christ looks at me, he sees Christ. Praise God. If you are hoping in anything to escape the wrath of God, it better not be anything except Jesus Christ and you have been hidden in Christ so that when God looks at you, he sees Christ. He sees the righteousness of Christ. What a glorious truth. In Romans 8, 9, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh. You're no longer in that old sinful flesh, but you are in the spirit of God. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Hear that common union. You are in Christ. You are in the Spirit of God. If, by faith, the Spirit of God is in you. If he dwells in you. All throughout Paul's writings, he says, If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ in them does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him, if the Spirit of him, God, who raised Jesus from the dead, if that Spirit with the resurrection power... If, that, if he dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If the spirit of God who rose Christ from the dead is in you, you can't stay in the grave. That's what Paul's saying. You can't stay in the grave because you're alive in Christ. And so to say, there's no resurrection from the grave. I mean, maybe for Jesus, but not for me, is to say, oh, no, 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 no. If you stay dead, then you need to know Jesus is still dead because Jesus is so living within you that you cannot stay dead. You see the dual blessing of this truth. It's not only is Christ alive, but you can't avoid being resurrected from the grave. What a glorious truth. You can't stay in the grave if you're in Christ. So Paul says, but if there is no resurrection, verse 13 in our current text today. So he says, but if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. That's the first terrible consequence of denying the future Bali resurrection. He's going to hypothetically grant you your position. Okay, you want to say there's no resurrection? Let me walk you down this depressing downward spiral. First of all, if you're right, if there's no resurrection for your body, then guess what? There's no resurrection for Jesus. Jesus is still dead. Second, and if Jesus is still dead, the second terrible consequence of that denial of the resurrection is our preaching is in vain. Paul says he and the apostles and the message that Jesus gave them that they saw with their own eyes, the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says then that message where he came into the Corinth and said, good news, Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and he rose from the grave and he appeared to us all. He says, that's all in vain. All that was pointless, was futile, was vanity as the writer of Ecclesiastes says. The word vain 
literally means to listen to this. This is what Paul says his preaching is, the apostles' preaching is, your Bible is, this church is, my preaching is. All of it is vain. What does that mean? It literally means to be devoid of intellectual, moral, and spiritual value. To be completely devoid of any and all intellectual, moral, and spiritual value. There is no value in any of it if you say that you won't be raised from the grave. Because if you say you won't be raised from the grave, then Jesus is still dead. And if Jesus is still dead, there is no moral, spiritual value or intellectual value in what this gospel says. It's hollow. It's empty. If Jesus is dead, then the gospel is dead. And the gospel, if it's dead, then what Paul's message was when he came into Corinth is dead. And if his message is dead, this is dead. And if this is dead, it's all vanity, it's all pointless. There is no point. Please tell me you're not here for morality if Jesus is still dead. Your preaching is in vain. And the logical conclusion then, number three, is therefore faith is in vain. If Paul's message was vanity, his message being good news, Jesus died for your sins, he was buried, he rose from the grave, and we saw him. But if that's not true, then it's all vanity. And if you poor suckers have believed that, you talk about vanity, you could have slept another hour this morning. How sad that we would have put our hope in a message that was vain that was not true because Jesus is still dead. Verse 14b, your faith is in vain. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Your faith is literally devoid of intellectual, moral, and spiritual value. I.e., it's a joke. This church the fact that we gather around that message is a joke. The fact that we stand on the foundation of that message, that he died, was buried, he rose again from the grave. If it's not true, it's all a joke. It's all vanity. It's all pointless. It's all empty of value. It's just cold, dead religion. Cold, dead religion some kind of morality that makes us feel better about ourselves. How sad is that? It's devoid of any value at all. All supposed Christians, all preachers, teachers, evangelists, people have uprooted their life and moved to other countries. The bake sale that we're raising money to pay for airline tickets, to take vacation hours, to go to another land. It's 
pointless. It's cold, dead religion if Jesus is still dead. Why in the world would we be a part of that? It's a sad, sad existence. Not only would it be vain to preach the gospel, not would it only be vain to believe such gospel if Jesus is dead. He goes even further. Number four, if you claim that there is no resurrection of believers, then Jesus is still dead, number one. Number two, preaching, all preaching is in vain. Number three, all faith is in vain. Number four, you're all a bunch of big, fat liars. You're welcome. Glad y'all came this morning. That's what Paul's saying. We are all liars. You want to hold on to some kind of faith that denies the supernatural resurrection because you just can't deal with that concept? You can't have it both ways. If you say that you believe in Jesus as the all-powerful Savior, but there's no, no resurrection from the dead, then you're a liar. Paul says, I'm a liar if that's not true. He says in verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God if you deny our future resurrection because we testified about God. We testified that he raised Christ. He raised Christ, whom if your theory is allowed to continue, whom he did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. So we've been lying. We've been lying and saying that God raised him from the dead. But he was raised. So we can't. We can't go with that, he says. This is really sad. It's really discouraging to think about being in a place that believes this. But that's not it. He goes even further. Number five. Not only does that make us liars, but number five, we're still in our sins. If you deny that there's a resurrection, then Jesus is still dead. And that makes our preaching in vain. That makes your faith in vain. That means that we are liars. And that means that we're still in our sins. Look what he says in verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You're still in sins. You're not in Christ. You're not in the resurrected Christ. You have not been forgiven of your sins. You are still in your old sin flesh nature. You are in your sins under the wrath of God because of your rebellion against God. You're still in your sins. Paul writes in Romans chapter 4 verse 25, he says, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses, for our sins. And, praise God, it doesn't stop there. And raised for our justification. We must have both parts of the message. You can't just stop with Jesus died for my sins. That's depressing. Jesus died. Lots of people died for causes 
That's not the gospel message. The good news is Jesus died for our sins. He was absolutely buried, sealed up in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose for our justification. Justification means it's just as if I had never sinned. It's just as if you'd never sinned. Why? Because you were hidden in Christ who died for your sins, was buried, and he rose from the grave, walking the newness of life. Now your life is in Christ. And so when God looks at you hidden in Christ, it's just as if you had never sinned. You are getting credit for Jesus' righteousness. That's good news. If that's not true, then you're still in your sins, Paul says. You see, the resurrection... When God raised Jesus from the dead, it demonstrated God's acceptance of Christ's sacrifice for the full payment of our sins. When he rose from the grave, you were transferred from the place of being under his wrath and under his condemnation to being embraced by his favor. Because you're in Christ, his son, his righteousness. It guarantees your acceptance with God. He says, it's finished. It's done. You can take it to the bank. I have accepted Christ's payment for you. His death satisfied. His death atoned. His death absorbed my wrath. So when he pops up from the grave and comes back to life, you can know with certainty The condemnation has been satisfied. You don't have condemnation awaiting you. It is well with your soul because when he comes back, you will not face condemnation. It's guaranteed. How do you know? Because he's alive. Because he rose from the grave. Guaranteeing all those promises are yes in Christ. Not just that he was telling the truth. That's one aspect I think we all get was, hey, Jesus said he was going to go to the grave and rise again, and he did. So he wasn't crazy. That's good. That is good. But the meaning of it is also that in the resurrection, that's also saying God says, I'm satisfied. The death penalty has been paid for you. And when he comes up from death, it's guaranteeing that he has been satisfied. His wrath has been completely satisfied. So that Romans 8, 1, now when he looks at you, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's a glorious truth. So number five, we're still in our sins if we deny the resurrection. Number six, There's no eternal life if we deny the resurrection. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, logically concluding then, if you deny the resurrection, then Jesus is still dead. Our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We're all all liars. We're still in our sins. And there's no eternal life. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, that's it. They're done. Those who said they were in Christ and, We had all this hope. If Jesus is dead, bro, when they died, they died. They perished. End of story. Y'all, that's where most people are. 
we take this for granted. We're so blessed with the good news of the gospel. We automatically translate, yeah, but they died. Oh man, I'm, I, I hate it for their family, but, but we just do that. Yeah, but, yeah, but Christ, they're not dead. That's just a transition. If Jesus is dead, they're dead. How hopeless. I mean, to hear the coronavirus news and to not have hope in Christ was terrifying for people. It's terrifying to face disease and death if you don't know this good news. How many people in our life are in that place? We have good news. They don't have to live with that fear and live with that state of uncertainty and despair. Because if they are in the place where they rejected Christ or don't really want to have anything to do with the supernatural Jesus, they want to have the morality of Jesus, that's denying the resurrection. And to deny the resurrection, Jesus is still dead. If Jesus is still dead, we're all going to die and there's no hope beyond the grave. There's no eternal life. And that leads us to our final point. Verse, I mean, not verse, but point number seven. No hope. No eternal life and no hope. This comes from the last verse, 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, no hope for beyond the grave, if it's just about this life and being good in this life and and being nice, and and being kind, and and having some religious activity, to feel better about ourselves, and to live up to some morality, but don't give me supernaturalistic type stuff, just don't need to throw the resurrection in there, let me just be okay with my morality, then if that's it, brother, that is hopeless. That is despairing. Because if in Christ it's all about this life only, we are of all people, of all the people out there, the people who are denying Jesus, the people who are out there hating religion and hating Jesus and trying to be just humanist, of all the people in the world, if Jesus is dead, we are to be the most pitied people on the planet. What does it mean to be pitied? Here's a literal description of what it means to be pitied to deserve sympathy for one's pathetic, miserable condition. That's where we are as believers if he's dead. To deserve sympathy. Oh, poor Tracy. He is in the pathetic, miserable condition of giving his life to Jesus who's dead. That's where we are if we deny the bodily resurrection. That's where we are if we turn. Remember Paul last week said, hold fast to this teaching. Do not tweak it. A tweak is Jesus is moral and had great teaching, but he didn't raise from the grave. Or a tweak is we won't raise from the grave. And Paul says, if, if you won't raise from the grave, Jesus didn't raise from the grave. If Jesus didn't raise from the grave, your preaching's in vain, your faith is in vain, 
we're all a bunch of liars. We're all stealing our sins. There's no hope beyond the grave. It is just hopeless, and we are to be pitied. Before we move beyond this sad, hopeless condition, let's just feel it for a minute. We're not used to feeling this, thank God. That's why this sermon is so short, because I would type and I would say, okay, let's move on. This is too depressing. I felt it this week. I don't like feeling it. Do you feel that for your friends? Do you feel that for your family? Do you feel that for people who have pretty words around it about moralism and religion and, you know, don't put that on me, but do you feel the hopelessness that's underneath the facade? Would you just commit to one, one, one of those people? It's, it's too overwhelming to think of the masses, but would you just commit right now just one person to pray for one name and to share Share the gospel with them as the Lord leads, as the Lord opens that opportunity. But would you begin right now to say, God, thank you for reminding me of how many people do not have that blessed hope that I have. And just imagine if all of us committed to just praying for one person and to share in the gospel, the good news with them. What might God do? Who's your one? We're going to talk about that in small group this week. You're going to have resources made available to you. Who is your one person that you're praying and that you're committed to sharing the gospel with them? Finally, I have some good news. Jesus is alive. Praise God, he's alive. That's not our condition. That's not our message. Jesus is alive. He was dead He was buried, he rose again, and he appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people. And those people saw him, they ate with him, they got many convincing proofs, and they were willing to die for the truthfulness of that message. And that's why the word of God was written, that's why the church exists. We are here because we are hidden in Christ, and Christ is hidden in us. So all the spiritual blessings of the heavenly places are ours in Christ. When God looks at you, if you're in Christ, he sees perfection. He sees glory. He sees satisfaction. He doesn't have condemnation for you. And guess what? Death is not the end. Disease does not have the final say. You will, if you are in Christ, be resurrected from the grave. When Christ returns from the right hand of the Father to come and judge his enemies and finally do away with them and to create a new heavens and a new earth, it's not earth, it's not spiritual angelic beings floating around on clouds. It will be a new resurrected body that the dead in Christ will rise first. Their bodies will be changed and will be glorious, not our old decrepit bodies, but new glorious bodies. Paul's going to show us light Christ's body that we see him after he rose from the grave and those who are alive at that time when Christ returns and the dead who are in Christ return with him those who are alive their old decrepit bodies if he came right now we would be changed in an instant Paul says 
and we would be instantly transformed into glorious bodies. This is the glorification of the saints. And we will beam with his glory forever and ever. And we will reign and rule with Christ as heirs of the kingdom on a new heavens and a new earth. And this new heaven and new earth will be glorious. Like you go visit on vacation and you look at the Grand Canyon and you just go, oh my God. How could he create something so glorious that we take helicopters just to get a view of it? Or the mountains that display his glory and we say, oh, God is so glorious forever, forever. That's what we get hidden in Christ. He gets our sin. He gets our punishment. He gets our wrath we get his glory and a resurrected body forever. Father, we praise you for the glorious good news. And may we never deny the physical bodily resurrection. Lord, we have good news to take to our friends and to our family. May we just let this morning be a taste, just a brief moment. We don't stop often and think and dwell in the despair of not having the resurrection of Jesus. And so this morning, as we did, Lord, would you just burden our hearts with compassion. Embolden our hearts with the glory of the good news that we have to share with others. Lord, lay upon each one of our hearts and minds, embrace and in our hearts, tattoo our minds with a name that will not erase until they're yours in Christ. Give us each one name to pray for and to commit to share the gospel. And Lord, we trust you with all the rest. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.